This is the Fedora Chronicles Network. This is the Fedora Chronicles radio show number 80. This time John Pika and I talk about recent conventions that we attended that had the retrocentric mindset. John shared his experience with Anacrocon 2018 and how it's the best, while I share my experience at Stempunk at Tower Hill Arboretum. We also explore different types of conventions and the great con bubble that's about to burst. Stay tuned. question for you mr fist i have an answer what is your favorite ice cream ah forbidden chocolate from friendlies anything chocolate but <sighs> dude friendlies yeah uh, okay so do you still have them up in your area we sure do um okay but they're they're, they're slowly dying out they're a dying yeah. breed yeah yeah so i I asked the question because I had a spoonful of chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream. And while it's not my favorite, um, it was awfully good. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm being really super disciplined. So I had only one spoonful. But I think I'm going to have to do like a rundown of my top five ice creams like on a future show. And, uh, you know, Friendly's peppermint ice cream is in my top five. Yeah. And people think I'm crazy when I tell them about peppermint ice cream from Friendly's. I'm like, no, you don't understand. This is like a whole nother level. Yeah. And and and, and right side by side with that is the watermelon sherbet. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff, man. Friendly's. It's aces. Anyway, that has nothing to do with tonight's topic. It has but- nothing to do at all. But it's 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 nice palate cleanser, if you were. Yes. So yes. the real topic, the real topic tonight is, well, what did you do this weekend, Johnny? Well, I think we both had similar yet completely opposite experiences. Yeah. I spent my weekend hanging out with the awesomely fine folks at AnacroCon, the uh, alternate history convention in Atlanta, Georgia. And, um, you know, this is a con that uh, we have been, and when I say we, you know, I mean the Diesel Punk podcast and, and Big Daddy Cool, Bombshell Kittens, you know, the whole the whole kitten caboodle, the company, as it were, um, we've been trying to get booked with for five or six years ever since we heard about them. Now, next year is going to be their 10th year. So they've been around. This is their ninth year. But, um, you know, we've been trying a long time to, to get booked down there. And finally, they uh, they they have some new chair people and some new staff. And they're like, yeah, we want to. Come on. Yeah. And, and so Friday night, I did my Tales from the Sh- Tales from the Flipside Live show, which is the magic and stories from or inspired by the book, Tales from the Flipside. And uh, then Saturday, I did what is Diesel Punk, Diesel Punk 101, 10 o'clock panel, first thing in the morning. Um, and uh, that's always kind of a, a dicey proposition because you never know what's going to happen. But uh, we had a decent little crowd. Um, and, uh, then, uh, at one, I did unleash your superpowers 
taught people how to do uh, really easy to learn and master magic, but it looks like superhuman powers. And uh, that was a lot of fun. We recorded an episode from the floor, um, an episode of the Diesel Punk podcast uh, with uh, Tina Vita and Mitzi Malone and uh, interviewed uh, some of the uh, Anacrocon staff about their cosplay for charity. They do this really cool thing where they they did their very first cosplay costume contest this year. Believe it or not, Anacrocon had never had a costume contest. And so they did one for the first time this year, but they kind of did a different format. Instead of, you know, the judges deliberating and scoring and blah, 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 all that BS, what they did instead was they made it by popular audience vote, but but it wasn't by ballot. It was by dollars. Wow. And the money raised, I, I don't know if it's a dollar a vote. I, you know, I was off doing some other things when, when that was going on, but the money they raised all got donated to a charity that is directly benefiting the restoration efforts in Puerto Rico. Yeah. And I love that idea. So, you know, you're an audience member. You love this cosplay. You love this costume. We'll put your money where your mouth is and vote for this person to win by donating the most money. Yeah. I thought that was pretty novel. I, I like that a lot. Um, and then Saturday night, we did um, the Magic Cabaret with Big Daddy Cool and the Bombshell Kittens. Music and magic. And uh, that was a lot of fun. Got great response. One one other convention uh, chairperson that was there from another convention in October was there and saw us and booked us on the spot for his con in October and paid me a cash deposit the what? next morning. Holy yes. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, and then we ended the weekend uh, Saturday by uh, teaching uh, podcasting one-on-one. And, um, you know, the frustrating thing about that is um, it's – and you will understand this. We had an hour to to talk about podcasting. Right. And in an hour, you can just barely scratch the surface. Yes, yes. It's really probably a three-hour event if you wanted to do it right. Right, right. And maybe longer. <laughs> I know there are uh, whole weekends yeah. dedicated just to learning about what we do and how we do it. And I think that the one thing that you cannot teach people, this is not something that comes out of a classroom. You cannot teach passion. Um, you have to do it because you can't stand the idea of not doing it. And you cannot yes. you cannot get that through to people. Um, if, if you can stand the idea of doing a podcast where only a handful of people are listening, and one of those people you should hope that is at least your mom, at least, maybe your mother-in-law, but it's like, <laughs> maybe. I want to see what Eric Charles is saying today. What kind of trouble can I get him into? No, don't talk about my, my uh, potato chip casserole. Um... But no, you have this issue, of course, whereas people seem to think that you are going to make a million dollars and you're going to run out and you're going to buy a Lamborghini and a mansion with all the money you think that you want to make on podcasting without even thinking about there's this, the thing called like the podcasting equipment, you know, and you have to you have to get ready to invest in some really decent podcasting equipment or you're not going to do a good job. That's it. That's that's my stick for a second. But go ahead. 
Yeah. So, you know, so we that's how we finished out the weekend and headed back home and uh, took Mrs. Cool out to uh, an anniversary celebration. Twenty three years. Can you believe that? I can. And uh, we, we went and saw The Illusionists live from Broadway on tour. And uh, my good buddy, Kevin James, who is one of the cast members, and he's been one of the founding cast members of that show. Um, and, and he's a mentor of mine and, and just a really good friend. Um, he, uh, he emailed me and said, hey, we're in Nashville this weekend for The Illusionists. And I said, yeah, I know, but I'm in Atlanta doing my own shows. And uh, won't be back until Sunday. And he goes, well, we got a Sunday 6.30 show. Do you want a pair of tickets? And I was like, does a frog bump its butt on the ground when it hops? <laughs> yes, I want tickets. Yeah. Fourth row center. That's great. Yeah, it was awesome. 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 If nobody, if, you, if you've not seen The Illusionists, you really need to. Because Kevin James plays a... It, he, he's been playing with this retro-futuristic character. Not quite diesel punk, but not quite steampunk. Kind of walking the middle. Because um, there's a lot of aesthetics of both in what he's doing. Uh, and he, he goes, you know, they call him the inventor in the show. Um, it also starred Colin Cloud, who many of you saw on America's Got Talent. He's the deductionist. Uh, he's he's a mind reader, basically, but he's the best damn mind reader I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he does this whole Victorian Sherlock Holmes motif. Yeah. So for us anachropunks, retropunks, there's, there's a lot to love in the show. And there's actually one, uh, another uh, edition of it, kind of a spinoff called The Illusionists 1901. And it is a steampunk illusion show. Right. So that's how I spent my weekend. And, you know, I'll tell you, Anachrocon is a small con. They were estimating they had, you know, about 500 people. Um, I don't know that I saw that many at any one given time. The, the, the convention floor was really uh, laid out throughout the hotel in a, in a pretty immersive way. It was kind of like the hotel is shaped the, the hallways and the main floor where the, the main programming rooms and the, the, the vendor rooms and whatnot is kind of shaped in a triangle. So you've got stuff happening on, on three sides of you at any given time. And so it created this really immersive environment. And uh, they're, a, they're an alternate history convention. And this year their theme was the age of the Viking. So we saw a lot of Viking mashup cosplay. Uh, steampunk Vikings. I saw Caveman. I saw um, Space Marines. I saw, uh, you know, the 501st was there. I saw... Uh, you know, medieval costumes, I, you know, I saw everything and that was really cool. But um, interestingly enough, the one thing I did not see was any superheroes at, at a convention. Yeah, well, because and, and this just occurred to me as I was saying that is that, uh, you know, because their theme was their theme is alternate history. And yeah. so everyone yeah. is either doing a an alternate version of a historical character or um, their own characters. Yeah, yeah. And I love that. I, I honestly do. 
I wish that there was more of that. Yeah, it was really, really cool. Um, just uh, great people. And it is a small con, you know, 500 people. Uh, so it feels a lot like a family reunion, which I love. You know, you're, you're going to run into people that sometimes you only see at, at the convention every year. Um, which is pretty cool. Um, they did they did something that a lot of cons are starting to do. They had uh, what they call the con suite, which is where you go eat. Yeah, you know they had they had food all day um, that you can, and you know for the most part it, it was you know small finger sandwiches, you know chips and uh, cookies and whatnot. Just uh, they had a veggie tray and whatnot. But then on the other side of that floor, the, uh, on one end of the floor was the con suite. And then at the other end was the tea room. That's the best. Yes. And, and that was, uh, a little bit more high end stuff. Um, more, more grown up tastes really. And, uh, it was very, very cool. And, and that's where we had breakfast Sunday morning was, in the tea room. So, you know, if, if someone's looking for a great event next year, this time next year, 2019, uh, they're doing the time travelers ball. So to celebrate their 10th year anniversary, their very first year was a time travelers ball. They're, they're doing that theme again. So it's, you know, all ages, all eras through history. So very cool. And, uh, hopefully we're going to do even more diesel punk programming for them. Absolutely. They were very, very impressed with uh, what I brought, what I did, and um, so we're already talking about next year how to uh, how to up the game, as it were. So I had a great experience at an event, but I understand, Eric. A, a little birdie whispered in my ear, kind of <laughs> tweeted that uh, you you had a um, similar event, but not the same experience. Well. See, that wasn't a little birdie that, that, that told you, but it was a tweet and it was my tweet. Um, and it was, how, how can I say this? It was, it was, it was quite an experience. Um, a friend of mine, uh, a fellow coworker from, um, the, the toxic stuff corporation. Um, she, she and I are now refugees from that. Um, and she had sent me this link to the Tower Hill Botanical Gardens, and they had a, uh, a, a special theme weekend, and they called it STEM Punk, which is a kind of a combination of steampunk and flowers and plants and stuff like that. And I looked at this, and I looked at, I looked at it, and I thought, okay... It's at the Tower Hill Botanical Gardens, and this is a, it's a very Victorian or Edwardian setting. It, it's, it's almost as if it looks exactly like you'd expect some kind of billionaire tycoon's home away from home um, with several arboretums connect, connect, connected together um, um, with corridors and it's, it's very elaborate. It's, it's strikingly beautiful. It, it looks like it's something like, it looks like somewhere that Bruce Wayne would like hang out with poison Ivy during the day, um, before they turn into their alter egos at night. And it's a beautiful location. It's a beautiful venue out in Western Massachusetts. And, um, from what I understand, Saturday was a blowout. A ton of people had shown up and they were actually turned away at the gate because they didn't have enough room for everybody there. They didn't have enough parking because so many people thought this this was going to be a huge steampunk event. Um, so we missed Saturday because we had a prior engagement. 
Then we went on Sunday. We got up early. We got dressed in our Victorian Edwardian garb, as it were. Still kind of steampunk. No, not steampunk. Diesel punk with the fedoras, of course. And we got there. And as soon as we we got into this like this sprawling campus, whereas you have to like like literally drive for a quarter or a half a mile from the road all the way up to the top of the hill, and it's a sprawling campus, a, a private, personal, intimate little campus. And um, we got inside, and they had these. Carol and I are debating. I say it was only eight. She says it was 12 flower displays with a steampunk theme. And some of them were obviously somebody took engines and rebuilt them as 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 planter boxes for flowers. And somebody came up with the idea of just just glue a couple of gears on on the uh, uh, on, on the pot and call it steampunk. Varying degrees of creativity. And there were a couple of people there who were there in costume. And we walked to the end of this long hall and there was a vendor and we thought, this is terrific. This is a beautiful entrance way to this huge steampunk event. No, that was it. That, that was it. And apparently people had like blew the doors off. They thought that this is going to be a huge steampunk event. And they got excited because of the of Tower Hill Botanical Garden's reputation of being this just gorgeous place. And a lot of people were complaining like, where's the vendors? Where's all the other activities? How come we're not having the costume contest in the theater that they have? Because the theater was closed. They have this beautiful amphitheater. Or or just, it's just an indoor theater. But it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. And on top of that, it wasn't just primarily steampunk. They had other events going on at the same time. Like, they had um, an author show up to do... Um, um, the budget wise gardener, um, uh, the, um, Carrie Mendez, the author, uh, d- did the book signing. Had nothing to do with steampunk or diesel punk or whatever. And a lot of people were very, very confused. And on top of that, they also had you know, there was a bridal shower or or a, a baby shower or something. And uh, I, I think that they were overwhelmed with the number of people who showed up for this s- steampunk event. Um, you just walked down this long corridor, you saw the planters, and you saw a, was one vendor in one room. They had face painting and other activities for the kids, and that was it. And there were people who were furious because they drove for more than an hour or two to get there, and that was it. That's all there was. And parking, for my wife, my son, and myself, parking was the admittance in, because you pay at the gate, it was around $35, $40. And for that kind of money, you, you're expecting a huge event. It was just merely admission to Tower Hill Botanical Gardens. Um, and I asked around and I, I, I Monday, I went on Facebook and I asked a, a ton of people who had posted pictures on social media. And I went, I said, what did you think of the event? And uh, first they asked, well, who the hell are you? <laughs> and second of all, <laughs> they said they, they gave me the honest, the honest truth. And the thing is, is that um, they they didn't really read the website what the what what the event was going to be and what it wasn't going to be. Um, it, it was it was like a, a dozen gardeners taking on their idea of what steampunk is for gardening, and they had they have the two arboretums that are connected that you could walk through, and it's very beautiful. It's very very Victorian. It does have that retro vibe to it. And, um, and there were a lot of people who would have liked to have gone, but they didn't They didn't go. One of the things that I had found out, and I'm getting confirmation on this, so I'm not exactly sure if this is what happened, but apparently um, 
The New England Steampunk Society was not even approached, wasn't even asked, hey, do you guys want to come to this? Who should we have here? Um, a lot of a lot of groups were not even invited. They didn't even know about it until I asked them about it. I don't know what to say about this. It was a perfect venue for this for a large steampunk convention. Um, but they weren't they weren't prepared for um the turnout. They didn't realize that apparently um they had two parking lots. They had the one main parking lot and the spillover parking lot, and both of them were filled and they were still turning people away. Um, I got nothing bad to say about the, the the event in and of itself. I just wish that that it, it that it was what it was, and I don't think that spending thirty five dollars or forty dollars for the two hours that they, that we were there, um, and 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 we left early because <laughs> there was nothing to do. Um, a lot of people were disappointed, and I'm thinking about reaching out to them and say I'd like to volunteer to help you host your event next year and see if we can make this. A, a, a large event, something that people are going to actually come and be happy and satisfied for for going to. Um, I, I don't I don't know what to, else to tell you, but I also have a couple of other theories on why a lot of people who went were upset and frustrated. Um, I think it had a whole, lay lay it on us. Well, I mean, the thing is, is that because my wife and I had. <laughs> A couple of heated discussions about this. Um, people didn't read the website. People did not read the schedule for the events. Um, and they also had two overlapping steampunk events. Um, whereas you had to choose. You could either go to this steampunk event or you can go to this other steampunk event and you'd miss out. But they didn't stagger them. They didn't have it in one hour, then the other at another hour. And on top of that, they had other events where... Um, had nothing to do with steampunk. They could they 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 could have juggled a, uh, the schedule around, I guess. Um, and there wasn't any vendors, and they didn't advertise this much at all. And I don't think that they were prepared that when they said it, a steampunk cost, uh, you know, a steampunk costume contest, all the people in the region who are into steampunk, they showed up with the idea that they were going to do a huge event. And I think that there was miscommunication on a lot of parts. Um, and I think that the thing is that they were not prepared for what eventually happened. And I think a lot of another reason why a lot of people are upset, there's a small contingency, a small minority who have a, um, a horrible case of chronic butt hurt. And they felt as if that their, their, their genre, steampunk, was not respected the way that they thought it should be. And I think, I think that there might be some truth to that. Whether or, not, whether or not that's fair or whether or not that's going to offend people, I'm not really sure. But I do think that that has a lot to do with it because people were expecting one thing and they built it up in their minds. And when they got there and when they saw what it was, because they built it up in their minds so much. And that's the reason why they were so disappointed. Um, and I think that there were people who were offended, who were in the steampunk community, who didn't know about this. They had to find out from the guy from the Fedora Chronicles that they missed out on a steampunk event. And I think that there were a couple of people there um, who did know me from the Chronicles. And I think they do know me from the two articles that I've written on, you know, what's what's wrong with steampunk and what I think that needs to be fixed. And they did kind of give me the cold shoulder. Um, and I have a whole bunch of great ideas that I'd like to share with the Tower Hill Botanical Garden in the hopes that they would actually do the event right next year. Um, 
or or do the event right next year, but in a different season, like spring or whatever. Also, I think that a lot of people were thinking that this is going to be another version of the Watch City Steampunk Festival that's coming in May, which we're hoping to attend. Uh, and we're already working on our costumes for that. So I don't know. What do you think? Well, it sounds to me like this was uh, just an idea their marketing director had for the Botanical Gardens said, hey, you know, let's let's do this as an interesting way to to get people interested in botany. You know, it's this is something I hear about people doing and or maybe one of their artists in residence or whatever brought it up. And they thought, yeah, that's that's a that's a great idea. I, I would I would dare say that this will not be a repeating event. Yeah, just just based on the information you shared, uh, I you know I see art galleries do this kind of thing a lot, where they'll have a themed exhibit. And here in Nashville, we've got the uh, Grassmere. Oh no, that's the zoo. What am I thinking of? The uh, Bellmead Plantation, which is a botanical garden, and they they do these themed things like that all the time too well for that matter the zoo does uh the zoo d- did a uh, steampunk night at the zoo a couple years ago but um yeah you, you know it, it is a shame in particular though that these organizations who are you know to their credit or to their fault they're just trying to create something interesting for their season subscribers their patrons and you know something to get people in the door and you know, make money and, and gain interest, and it, it doesn't really occur to them that hey, we should we should reach out to the local communities and you know get their support. And, and I, I don't think I don't think those local steampunk groups should take that as a slight or as an intentional slight. It's just you know these these folks who aren't in the business of producing genre cons, they're just not going to think think through that. It's like the local library doing a superhero day but they don't call the local cosplay group to come be a part of it because it just never occurs to them that oh there might be a group that actually does this right it's sort of like if the local library had decided one day hey we're we're going to do a a, a gatsby party not knowing that <laughs> every every Monday or Tuesday the F. Scott Fitzgerald Society meets for bagels and locks and coffee <laughs> just down the road from there. Um, I because I, the, I I was just sort of like thinking about this because the thing is is that they also got some new memberships out of the out of the bargain. My wife and I sure. saw what was going on and we were like, wow, this is great. We should come here more often. We're actually going to make a special trip, I think, during the kids' um, winter vacation. And didn't they just get done with the vacation? Didn't they just have Christmas vacation? Do they really need another vacation so soon after Christmas? Um, <laughs> but that's that's the, the lament of every parent. I, I, I mean, it, it, and it looks like a great place to go. And they have events year-round. Um, we're looking at the calendar, and we're like, yeah, we want to go to all of this stuff. Um but again, it was, are we going to go to other events and is it going to be the same thing? Or is it like, was was this just a one-shot deal and they didn't realize the monster that they created? Um, I, I don't, I, I honestly don't know what to say. I want to reach out to them and I want to volunteer and I want to try and see if I can get the other um, um, retrocentric groups involved. Oh, excuse me. See, I'm coming down with a cold. And, um, but no, that didn't stop me from, 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 
from my duty, um, got a podcast. So, um, so I did a couple of, uh, Google searches on the topic of of conventions and why conventions fail. And I don't mean this as a as a slam towards Tower Hill as a you guys should know better. But I think that it's an interesting thing to read. Whereas if you were planning an event and you want to do it bigger and better next year, uh, what lessons could you learn from that? Um, what do conventions do right and what do they do wrong? And maybe we should like focus on for the time being on what what makes a convention fail and what lessons should people learn from this wow you know that's that's a huge topic and of course you and i spoke about it last night for well over an hour just you know just sitting around chatting but um you know it it, it really comes down to the goal of the convention and the, the 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 unfortunate thing is in today's day and age these pop culture cons are all being compared to wizard world san diego comic-con c2e2 gen con and dragon con you know these big big multi cross genre uh, type type conventions of course gen con is is primarily tabletop gaming well gaming but you know it's it's still just this enormous convention and um, you know the the bigger the convention gets the bigger their budget gets and the more aggressive and polished their programming gets and what happens is smaller cons local cons or even small regional cons think that to be successful, they have to be like those big players, and they 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 tend to try and try and you know I don't know spice things up and and you know bring in big celebrity guests and you know make everyone look and think that they're going to be like a Wizard World or or you know one of the bigger cons. And two things happen: either they overspend and can't recoup the dollars they spent because they spent way too much on celebrity guests and they made these guarantees that they couldn't possibly fulfill. And that actually happened with a, a con that I was involved with down in uh, uh, Gulf, uh, Gulf Shores, Mississippi. Um, you know, they, they overextended. They, they second year con, they rented out a big convention center and they brought in all of these high priced celebrity guests and only had maybe 1500 people show up and they lost their shirt. Um, so that's one of the first things that they do wrong is trying to be bigger than they should be. The other problem that they have is these cons not recognizing the need for the right kind of programming and making sure it's quality. A convention doesn't have to spend a fortune to have to create a great experience for their attendees. And and Anacrocon was a great example. You know, they didn't have a lot of elaborate signage. Their website is very, you know, bare bones. It's just Hey, here's what's happening when, um, you know, they're, they're not spending a fortune on advertising to the local community, some, but not a fortune. You know, they, they know kind of where their sweet spot is right now and they, they play to that. But what they do really well is creating a wide variety of activities that everyone can, can participate in. And, you know, that's what they're doing right. And they, they do it with very little money because it's a, 
a volunteer-run convention. And so most of the people there are donating their time and talent, or they um, they bought a uh, vendor space and as part of their, you know, deal, they may get a discount on the vendor space if they agree to do some of the programming or, you know, they they might get, you know, the celebrities, the, the guests, you know, that are brought in might be paid or compensated in some way, but everybody else is is volunteer. So they can create a lot of programming and a lot of variety for very little money. Now, we, we talked about this last night, Eric, that there yeah. are two kinds. They're, they're basically, I guess, three kind of cons. There's what we call a community or a party con, where the main goal of the people coming is to have that social experience. Yeah. And and they want to participate in a lot of different kinds of programming. You know, they those are the conventions where the guests want to have 120 options of programming throughout the weekend. And um, but you know, the real focus is the social interaction and and the the after hours events, the room parties and whatnot. Yeah. And then and then there are what I would call expos, popcorn expos. And those are the shows that are the big celebrity autograph opportunities. And yeah, they have some programming. And yes, they have a decent uh, dealer area. But their real focus and their marketing is on, hey, come meet XYZ celebrity and have your picture taken. You know, those are the wizard worlds. That's, you know, heroes and villains, Walker Stalker, Awesome Con, uh, Emerald City Comic Con, Megacon in Orlando, and and um, to some degree, um, Dragon Con. And, and well, no, Dragon Con is really more of a community con, just on this huge level. And then San Diego, San Diego Comic Con is this expo con on a huge level where all of the big news of the year is going to be released. And, you know, you get to see all the sneak previews for everything coming out. But it's an industry expo is, is really what it is. Yeah. And then, and then the third type of event that you have out there is the, the vendor con, where people are coming specifically to find, you know, collectibles or, uh, you know, to find that rare edition of whatever comic book they love. They're, they're coming to, to shop the vendor space and to find and to see something they've never seen before. And, and you know, there's a great one here in Middle Tennessee that my buddy Mark Ballard puts on. Uh, and I'm going to be at it in two weeks, Murfreesboro Anime and Comic Con. And its focus is the, the sales and, and the deals and, you know, what can you see? Uh, what can you buy that you're not going to see anywhere else? And yes, he has celebrity guests. Who you know he's going to have WWE Hall of Famer Dutch Mantel, um, who was uh, Zeb Coulter, the character Zeb Coulter. He he's he's going to be there, and there's going to be a bunch of comic book artists. And his focus is always on the comic book artists. Um, but then he'll have some other you know. There's going to be some people from The Walking Dead there. Uh, last year in Clarksville, he had uh, one of the cast members from Stranger Things. And and so yes, he brings in some of those value-added attractions, and and he has programming. He has, you know, one programming room that that hosts all of the panels, workshops, and contests. It's one room. It's, he so he doesn't have 120 hours. And his his thing is, hey, we've got this great dealer room where you can come and find 
cool stuff. Buy cool stuff. Oh, and by the way, when you get tired of spending money, we've got some other things that you can do and see. Whereas that party, community con, their focus is here's all of these activities you can participate in. Here's these 120 hours worth of programming that you can participate in. Oh, and oh, yeah, by the way, when you get tired of doing that, you can wander over to the dealer's room and maybe spend some money. So yeah, it's yeah. it's the focus is different. And, you know, at, at San Diego and, and New York Comic Con, C2E2, Gen Con, um, they're, they're, they're industry expos, you know. Yes, there's dealer room, and yes, there's some programming, but their their big focus is that that industry release and the uh, the opportunity for fans to sit in on a roundtable panel with the cast from the Avengers or the Justice League, and and you know, big big announcements from Lucasfilm and Disney, and and you know, it's just a different different thing, and. I think where cons fail is that they they first fail to recognize who they are, what they are, and then they fail to plan within their means. Yeah, yeah. They either they either underdo it like your experience. Yes. Or they or they way overdo it and overextend themselves. And and you know that overextension can be in in the form of advertising. You know, if their advertising is really super slick and you know they're spending a bunch of money on advertising, but people get there and it doesn't live up to the the to the gloss. Yeah, that can be bad. And you know, at the same time, if if you know, like in your case, you you were underwhelmed. However, Eric, if you had gotten there and they had gone out of their way to take this to the nth degree, your your reaction would be completely different because you'd be like, "Wow, I can't believe the value I got." Right, exactly. But but con but but conventions have to figure out that balance. And you know, I I go to magic conventions and I go to storytelling festivals as well. And there's a magic convention the second weekend of March. I don't know if I'm going to go yet because the tickets for the three-day event are $179 just to to come in the door. Now, if if a Comic-Con were to charge that, would anyone show up? Maybe, maybe not. Well, I'm going to say this. If you're going to charge... If you're going to charge money, if you need people are going to expect a return on their investment. That's right. If you if you pay $35 worth, if you pay $35 at the door per person, you better get $35 worth of value out of that. If you pay 150, you better get $150 worth out of that convention. What does what is $35 worth of convention look like? As opposed to a hundred dollars worth of convention look like, and you also got keep in mind this, and this is something that it's like it's not fair, but it's not, but it, but it's true. A lot of us in the nerd community really look forward to these events because for a lot of us, it's really the only thing that we have as far as um, social gatherings are concerned. And we talked about this in this uh, in this other forum about another convention where um, there are things that are happen there are things that happen to geeks and nerds at these conventions that don't ha- happen to geeks and nerds outside of the convention whereas it's it's weird and it's strange whereas you would 
would think that it would be Dorkfest City, but it's not. It's the place where people like us can go and actually act normal around our own kind. Does, does that sound fair? Does that sound accurate? That's one of the reasons why so many things happen at conventions that don't happen to us outside of conventions. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a perfectly, uh, yeah, that's absolutely the truth, and it, and it makes perfect sense. Um, and that is why a lot of people go, because it is their escape from the real world and, and their, their rejoinder with their tribe, as yes. it were. Yes, and I, and I think that that's the reason why a lot of people kind of freaked out when they saw that this Tower Hill steampunk convention was just, it was just a display of a couple of steampunk-themed planters. And they were expecting so much more because they built it up inside their head. And I'm wondering, is there anybody, I don't think there's anybody at fault for this. I don't think there's anybody to blame. I, I, it's not, it's not um, controversy-worthy. It's nothing to get really get a... It, get excited about or get angry about but i i do think that it's something that's like people should be aware of this this is a concern for a lot of folks well and at the end of the day eric what we are about to see you know we we talked a couple of weeks ago about the crest of the wave of the big budget comic book movies about to we're on the downhill slide after may of this year um we're also about to see the bubble burst on these giant mega conventions these fan cons and what's going to happen is that fan cons like uh, and, and I, I guess that's the best word for it a fan con um and and i'm talking about these corporate funded uh industry expos fan expos like wizard world and awesome con and, and a few others we're going to see them go away. And we're already starting to see that. Wizard World cut back their shows from 15 to 10 this year. And they, they, they reported a huge loss last year. And we're, we're about to see the bubble burst on those because, you know, you're paying $45 to get in the door. And then if you want to get your autograph with a celebrity, that's another 40, 50, 60, sometimes even 100 bucks, yeah, depending yeah. on who the celebrity is. So we're talking about a huge outlay of cash on behalf of the fan uh, to have that experience. And ultimately, you know, there's only so many times you want to go see Ernie Hudson, Lou Ferrigno, and Billy D. Williams. You know, I love them to death, but those guys do the circuit and everyone's seen them. Or, or you know, the Green Power Ranger. How many times can you pay money to go get your autograph with the Green Power Ranger? Or um, and some some folks are going to take issue with me for saying this, but everyone in the community knows this is the the truth. That you know, there's a stable of even for that matter, Stan Lee. Stan Lee is everywhere, and um, you know how, how many times, as much as we love him, how many times can you pony up to have your picture taken with Stan Lee for eighty dollars? Well. I think that I think I just read that he just did his last convention ever. Uh, Possibly a couple because he's getting on an age, and the thing is, is that he had a health scare uh, a couple of days ago. Um, and maybe maybe Stan Lee is is uh, a bad example for, from this day forward. I don't think that Stan Lee is going to be doing any. But who who's the next comic book celebrity executive founder that you could have that's on on level with Stan Lee? I, 
I, I don't know. Um, but there well, are... there's only there's only a handful left alive. Um, uh, Steve Ditko, yeah. who uh, you know helped create Spider-Man, um, the uh, John Romita Sr. and uh, Joe Kubert, and and that's that's really it. Yeah. Um, you know they're 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 dying off quickly and. Yeah, so Stan Lee is maybe a bad example, but for the last ten years, I mean, anyone who has wanted to to meet Stan Lee could do it within you know a, a, a day's drive of right. where they were, right, or a flight, as it were. Um, yeah, well, sometime during the year, there was going to be an event that was going to be close enough that anybody could get to it. Um, so, but you know, the, the bubble's about to break on that, that giant mega corporate fan expo. And what's going to be left is the people who have developed a niche who really do it well. And I'm talking about the, the community conventions that, you know, they're smaller, but they feel like a, a family reunion, um, small, regional or local um, a couple come to mind, like um, Mid South Con in in Memphis, or uh, well, and Acrocon uh, is a good example. Or here in Nashville, a, a con called Hypericon, which is carving out a niche in creating and fostering community. Those are going to survive. Um, the other shows that are going to survive are going to be the the vendor conventions, the swap meets. Now. They, they might take on a smaller form. They might be uh, less prominent, but the, the established conventions like mid mid America or mid Ohio convention in Columbus, it's, it's a, you know, a giant three day geek fest flea market. They're going to survive. They're going to be just fine. Um, my buddy, Mark Ballard, he's going to be just fine because he knows what he's about He's built a loyal fan following over the last 10, 15, 20 years, and and they'll be able to you know weather the storm. It's these it's these folks who are trying to build something from scratch today, but they're following the model of the corporate mega fan cons. They're going to lose their shirts and they're going to fail. Uh, so. I'm trying to be careful. I want to reconstruct this question as diplomatically as possible. You look at somebody like Tower Hill. They have a great venue. I think it could have been something phenomenal. And I think that February here in the Northeast is the perfect month to have a convention because nothing else is really going on because it's winter. I think that it was after football season is also a perfect time to have uh, some kind of convention because there's there's nothing on TV that I know of except for winter sports on Sunday. Now, I'm not a sports fan, but I know for a fact that's what that's what people do. People like to watch sports on Sunday, whatever whatever the sports is. It's mostly football. Um, but I think that that's I think that that's the thing. Whereas is like here is the perfect venue, it's a perfect place to have a convention, especially with this setting. It's a perfect place for a steampunk convention. If they were going to do it bigger and better next year, how would this venue or another venue like it do better from scratch? They need to hire Tom Wilson. Oh, sweet! That's how they do it better. That's it. That's <laughs> wow. Seriously, I I mean, yeah, I I wonder if he could do something like that here in the Northeast. You know what? As a matter of fact, I think that I think that that's a future show right there. Yeah. So so anyway, I think that we've pretty much ran out of topic. Is there is there any other final last words that you wanted to say on this issue? 
Well, no, not on that issue. But, you know, I, I would uh, if for those people hearing me talk about Anacrocon, I got video of the whole thing. Um, all of the panels I did and the Friday night show I did, we didn't get video of the Saturday night show, but, um, they're all on YouTube. They're all on my Facebook page. And, uh, I've posted quite a few of them over at diesel punks on uh, Facebook as well. If, uh, you want to see the kind of things that Eric and I are talking about, you know, doing and producing for various events that we're going to be at, you know, that we've put it out there for you to, uh, Go partake and enjoy. I think on the last note that I'm going to have on the show here is that I didn't really look at this button before. Um, on the Facebook groups, there's actually um, something called events. And by golly, you click on that and you could actually add stuff to your calendar on your Facebook groups. And I think that that's something that we should be taking advantage of. Uh, yeah, absolutely you can. And um there, there are um, there are a lot of groups that that create the events linked to the to the group. Um, I I do events all for everything I do, even the the panels. I create an event page to to invite people to and to to promote. Uh, but that's through you know my professional page. Uh, but you can do it through the groups too. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, if you have an event that you think that we're going to be interested in, um, send us an email. Send us off. Uh, send us off a little alert that we can put on our our group pages and our websites, and let us know what's going on. And I think that it's like if even if it's a steampunk event, we will definitely we'll, we'll bring the heat, as it were. Um, yeah, because you know, rising tides float all ships. Exactly. And you know what? I'm going to leave it at that. That's a perfect way to, to, to end the podcast. So Excellent. Johnny, do you want to take us out? Sure. Hey, on behalf of Eric Fisk in the Fedora Chronicles and the Diesel Punk Podcast, this is Big Daddy Cool, John Pica saying, swing hard, swing often. We'll catch you on the flip side. This has been the Fedora Chronicles radio show and a co-production of the Diesel Punk podcast. You can find out more about us by going to our websites, thefedorachronicles.com and dieselpunks.com. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. You can find these links on our homepages. Be sure to visit our sponsors, Chester Cordite, Landron Artifacts, and the Trinity Whip Company. Also, check out the friends of our show, Penman Hats, and Reconstructing History. Once again, this is Eric Render King Fisk, signing off, and keep your chins up and your fedoras on.